Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everyone. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Give the praise to the Lord today. Thank you, Almighty God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for thinking of us. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be here another day. Thank you, Almighty God, for your love and your grace and your mercy. Father, we thank you, Almighty God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask, Lord, that you guide us through this word today. Guide us through your word, Lord. Teach us, Father. Teach us from this word so that we'll understand how to utilize this word in our lives today. How to help someone, Lord. How to help ourselves. Father, we thank you for this word, for your guidance. We give you all praise and honor and glory, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Okay, everyone. We are in the midst here of a another storm. We were in one the other day when I was reading this and we had very poor lighting. And so today we have bumped up our lighting so that we can see better. Um, so let's give it a go here. Okay. We were in Maccabees and uh as you well know, Maccabees is around this time of the year. In fact, uh, it's, it's actually considered one of the only holidays that the Lord acknowledges of man, man-made uh, holiday. And the reason for it was because of the Maccabees brothers who fought to keep the temple and the people in right standing with God, okay? Um, and so that's what your uh, um, uh, Hanukkah is coming up in November, okay? So, without further ado, let's get started. We were on the 11th chapter, first first. Um, I am reading this because this is um, one of the books that was stricken from the regular uh, Bible, unless you have an early, early, early uh, St. James. Um, and I, when I say early, I mean early, like uh, 1920, 1919, somewhere in there. Um, but the, the, uh, books prior to that, and I have no one here, and it's not in that one. Uh, so I'm reading this out of the uh, Jewish Bible, okay? All right, let's get started. Almost immediately afterwards, Lysias, the king's tutor and cousin, chief minister of the realm, which distributed at the turn of the events, Mustered 
mustered about slightly thousand foot soldiers and his entire cavalry and advanced against the Hebrews, intending to make the city a place for Greeks to live in, to levy a tax on the temple as on other national shrines. Now, let's examine this. You're a foreigner, and you're coming into the Lord's town, to his people, to his temple, and you want to destroy his temple. You want to tear down the town. You want to pull all the sacred things away. You want to put the people under the rod and stick, right? And you want to make it your town. Now, how many of you have any idea of what that incurs? Yeah. Now, are these people in the town at this point in time are aligned with the Lord? Then, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think the Lord is going to allow them to walk in and take that town? No. But if they're not in alignment, okay, and there's no one praying and speaking to the Lord, then perhaps. So let's see what happens. Okay, to levy a tax on the temple as on other national shrines and to put the office of high priest up for sale every year. <laughs> you cannot do that. <laughs> okay, like I said, it just depends. Um... He took no account at all of the power of God, see, being sublimely confident in his tens of thousands of infrymen, has thousands of cavalry and his 80 elephants. I remember the elephants themselves were war machines. If they step on you alone, they will kill you. Not to mention the tails, swag, and, and all the material that was on them. They had food on those elephants. They had weapons on the elephants. Men set up high in chairs. Uh, and they themselves, some of the chairs, had war equipment on them. Okay. Besides the men casting arrows and shooting and carrying on. All right. Invading Judah, he approached Bezul, a fortified position ahead 20 miles from Jerusalem, and began to subject it to strong pressure. And when Maccabees and his men learned that Lassus was besieging the fortress. They and the populace 
with them, begged the Lord with lamination and tears to send a good angel to save Israel. Now, you see, that's what I was just saying. Now, if they're in right standing huh, with the Lord, which right now I would say they are because a good many of them have fallen down and is praying to the Lord for his assistance. So, now, <clears throat> that be the case, as I said, we will see what will happen in this situation. Will God come to their defense? Maccabees himself was the first to take up his weapons and he urged the rest to risk their lives with him in support of their brothers so that they sailed out result, resultly as one man. They were still near Jerusalem when a rider attired in white appeared at their head, brandishing gold weapon. With one accord, they all blessed the God of mercy and found themselves filled with such courage that they were ready to lay low not men only, but the fierce, but the fierce beast and walls of iron. Now, you see, they prayed, and what happened? The Lord sent them the power that they asked. Okay, a rider came forth in white, riding in white with a gold sword. Okay, so, what do you think is going to happen to those opposing people? They're all going to die. If not all, some, okay? All right, let's move on and see. The advance in battle ordered with the aid of this, with their celestial alley, the Lord, having had mercy on them, charging like lions on the enemy, they laid low 11,000 of the infantry and 1,600 horsemen and rooted all the rest. Of those, the, the majority got away, wounded and wep weaponless. 
Lazarus himself escaped only by enormous, enormous fight, uh, flight. In other words, shameful flight. Shameful, shameful. Shame on him. Okay, uh, 13. Now Lazarus was not lacking in intelligence, and he reflected on the reverse. He reflected on the reverse he had just suffered. He realized that the Hebrews were the invincible because the mighty God fought for them. He therefore sent them a delegation to persuade them to accept reasonable terms all around and promise to compel the king to become their friend. Maccabees, thinking only of the commands, the, Maccabees only thinking of the common good, agreed to all that Lazarus proposed and whatever Maccabus submitted to, Lacris in writing concerning the Hebrews was granted by the king. Here is the text of the letter of Lazarus wrote to the Hebrews. Lazarus to the Jewish people, to the Hebrew people. Greetings, John and Absalom, your conveyors have delivered to me the communication transition below, requested me to approve its provisions. Anything repairing the king's attention, I have put before him. Whatever was possible, I have granted, provided you, providing you maintain your goodwill towards the intents of the state. I shall do my best in the future to promote your well-being. As regards the details, I have given orders for your envoys and my own officials to discuss these with you. May you prosper. The 24th day of Doricus in the year 148. The king's letter ran as follows. King Antiochus, to his brother Lazarus' greetings. Now that our father has taken his place among the gods, our will... Our will is that the subject of the realms be left undisturbed to attend to their own affairs. We understand that the Hebrews do not approve our father's policy, the, the adoption of Greek customs, but prefer their own way of life and asked to be allowed to observe their own laws. Accordingly, since we intend this people to be free from vexation, 
like any other. Our ruling is that the temple be restored to them and that they conduct their affairs according to the customs of their ancestors. It will therefore be your concern to send them a mission of friendships so that on learn, learning so that on learning our policy they may have confidence and happily go about their business. The king's letter to the Hebrew nation was in these terms. King Antiochus to the Hebrew Senate and the rest of the Hebrew greetings. If you are well, that is all we would wish. We ourselves are in good health. Menelaus informs us that you wish to return home and attend to your own affairs. Accordingly, all those who return before the 13th day of Axaxius may rest assured that they have nothing to fear. The, the Hebrews may make use of their own kind of food and their own laws as formerly and none of them is to be molested in any way for any unwriting offenses. I am in fact sending Menelaus to set your minds at rest. Farewell. The 15th day of Exasperus in the year over 148. The Romans also sent the Hebrews a letter, which read as follows. Quantus minimus titan malus mantus surgus legates of the Romans to the people of the, of the Hebrew greetings. Whatever Lazarus and King's cousin has granted you, we also approve. As for the matter, he decided to refer to the king, considering them carefully, sending someone without delay, if we are to interpret them to your advantage, because we are leaving for Antioch. Loss... Uh, Lose no time, therefore, in sentencing us those who can tell us what your intentions are. Farewell. The fifteenth day of decorus in the year 148. Okay, so now you see all these people all these influential people that make laws is um, telling them, okay, all right, this one said this, they're my friends, so if they say it, you know, it's okay. That's pretty much what that is, you know. All these people are next to the king, rubbing up to the king, 
Whatever he says goes. Okay? You think the you think God's people really care about that? No. They don't care about that. They know. Or I should say they should know by now that as long as they stay before God, he's going to fight all their battles. And they don't have to worry about outsiders trying to come in and take over anything. Nobody's coming in there to take nothing. You're not going to take what's God's. Not unless he allows you to. These agreements once concluded, Lysias, Lysias, yes, returned to the king and the Hebrews went back to their farming. Among the local generals, Diosius and Apollonius, sons of, sons of Genaeus, as also Hieronymus, Hieronymus, and Demiphon and Nekanor, the Cyperach as well, would not allow the Hebrews to live peace and quiet. There's always someone who doesn't agree and wants to make it hard for you. Right? Okay. Let's see. Verse 5. The people of Joppa committed a particularly wicked crime. They invited the Hebrews living among them to go aboard some boats they had lying, uh, they had lying ready taking their wives and children. There was no hint of any intention to harm them. There had been a public vote by the citizens, and the Hebrews accepted, as well as they might, being peaceable people with no reason to suspect anything. But once out in the open sea, they were all sent to the bottom, a company of at least 200. 200 people lost their lives that day because these people did not like them because of who they were. Does that not sound like some things going on today? here in the United States as well as all over the world because you don't like somebody because of their nationality, their creed, or who they are. You think it's justified to put them to death or to do wrong to them. Hmm. Okay, so let's see what happens. When Judas heard of the cruel fate of his countrymen, he issued his orders to his men, and they invoked God, the just judge. He attached his brothers he attacked his brother's murderers. Under cover of dark, he set fire to the port to the port, burned the boats, and put to the sword everyone 
who had taken refuge there. As the town gates were closed, he withdrew, intending to come back and wipe out the whole community of Joppa. But hearing that the people of Jamnia were planning to treat their resident Hebrews in the same way, he made a night attack on the Jamamites and fired and, and fire the post with its fleet. The glow of the flames was seen as far off as Jerusalem, 30 miles away. See, no good came to that. And no good will ever come to it. It will always come back on you. When they had left the town barely a mile behind them in their advance on Timotheus, Judas was attacked by an Arab force of at least 5,000 foot soldiers with 500 cavalry. A furious engagement followed, and with God's help, Judas, man won the day. The defeat nomads begged Judas to offer them the right hand of friendship and promised to surrender their herds and make themselves generally useful to him. Realizing that they might indeed prove valuable in many ways, Judas consented to make peace with them, and after an exchange of pledge, the Arabs withdrew to their tents. Now I'm going to stop here for a second. Remember now, the Arabs are Ishmael's family. Remember Ishmael? Remember the two boys that were born? Isaac and Ishmael, right? One is of the child of Abraham and Sarah. The other one is the child of Abraham and Hagar, right? Hagar was sent away by God, yes. Sarah told her husband to send away. Abraham was upset. The Lord told him, let him go. Okay? Now, ever since then, right, they have fought with the Israelites. There's always been a war back and forth, even to this day. Okay? Even to this day. And all this is about the rights of Abraham, who was the firstborn. They say that Ishmael was the firstborn. Well, Ishmael was the firstborn, yes, but he wasn't the firstborn of God's children, okay? He was not from Sarah. He was not considered 
to be the one that would carry the line. But, however, he did receive the rights. He received rights. When Abraham passed, he received land, the cow, and everything else because he was family. Okay? But he wasn't the one that was chosen to carry the line. Okay. So that gives you a little bit of history up to what's going on here. So there's constant friction between them and the Hebrews, always. And when I say friction, I mean life and death situations. Okay, um, so let's move on now. When they had left the town, barely a mile behind them in their advance in Timotheos, Judas was attacked by, oh, I'm sorry, I'm reading the same thing again. Okay, we're down here on 13. Judas also attacked a certain fortified town closed by ramparts and inhabited by a medley of racers. Uh, a medley of races. Its name was Caspin. Confident in the strength of their walls and their stock of provisions, the besieged adopted an insolent attitude to Judah and his men, reinforcing their insults with blasphemes and profanity. But Judas and his men invoked the great sovereign of the world, who within battering ram or siege engine had overthrown Jericho in the days of Joshua. They then made a furious assault on the wall. By God's will, having captured the town, they made such indecisible slaughter, indescribable, sorry, indescribable slaughter that, that the nearby lake, a quarter, quarterly of a mile across, seemed filled to overflow with blood. Ninety-five miles further on from there, they reach the the Karaks in the country of, of Hebrews known as Tubans. They did not find the Tadamos himself in that neighborhood. He had already left the district, having achieved nothing apart from leaving a very strong garrison at one point. Dostios and Sosapeter 
two of the Maccabean generals marched out and destroyed the four, the force, the uh, Timotheus had left behind in the fortress, amounting to more than 10,000 men. So two men <laughs> killed 10,000 men. So you know that the Lord was with these men. The power of the Lord was on them. They had strength and power to kill thousands. Now, and uh, let's see. Um, Dorotheus and Sapius. So there was just two of them. The force, the force the Ethiopian has left behind in the fortress, amounting to more than 10,000 men. Hmm. Maccabeus himself divided his army into cohorts, to which he assigned commanders and then hurried to pursue of Timotheus, whose troops numbered one hundred and one hundred and twenty thousand infantry and two thousand one hundred and hundred cavalry. That's quite a lot, isn't it? That is quite a lot. Tremendous, yes. Okay, um, we're going to pause for a second, and we will be back in just a few minutes. Daffy! Can you lower your voice? I'm on the podcast. Okay. All right. We're back. All right. So now, those were quite a lot of men that they took down. All right. Um, let's pick back up. Maccabees' generals marched out and destroyed the force that Timotheus uh, had left behind in the fortress, amounting to more than 10,000 men. Maccabees himself divided his army into cohorts to which he assigned commanders and then hurried in pursuit of Timotheosis, whose troops numbered 100 
and 20,000 infantry and 2,500 cavalry. Timotheus first moved on learning of Judas' advance was to send away the women and children and the rest of the baggage train to the place called the Caravan, since it was an unpregnable position, difficult, difficult, uh, difficult of ascent, owing to the narrowness of all the approaches. Judas cohort come into sight first. The enemy seized with fright and panic, stricken by the magnification of an all seeing of an all seeing began to flee. One running this way and one running that, often wounding one another in consequence and running on the points of one another's swords. Okay, so let's back up a little bit because um, <laughs> let's get an idea why these people were running like this. Okay, so um, Judas Cole, it says Judas Cohort came into sight first. Uh, the enemy seized with fright and panic stricken by the manifestation, see, of the all seeing began to flee. Of the all-seeing. Mm. So there was an appearance before them, a holy appearance that scared them and had them running all over the place. Okay? Because they knew that wasn't man. All right. Timothy is himself having fallen into the hands of Dos. Ducios and so so sipther so sipther and their men very cruelly pleaded with them to let him go with his life on the ground that he <laughs> on the grounds that he had the relatives and even the brothers of many of them in his power, and that these could otherwise expect short, uh, short, short shifts. When at long last he convinced them that he would honor his promise. And return these people safe and sound. Uh, they let him go for the sake of saving their brothers. Reaching the carry-on and the 
actor Gay Gay Gayan. Judas slaughtered twenty five thousand men. See, Judas wasn't playing. Judas was uh, in the spirit with the Lord, and he was moving, taking down the enemy left and right. Okay, having defended and destroyed them, he led his army against Ephron, a fortified town where Lysias was living. Stalwart young men drawn up outside the wall offered vigorous resistance. While inside, there were quantities of war engines and missiles in the reserve, but the Hebrews having invoked the sovereignty, who by the power shattered, uh, shattered enemies, def um, enemies' defenses, and gained control of the town and cut down nearly 25,000 of the people inside. Mm, mm, mm. Moving off from there, they, moving off from there, they pressed on to uh, Scatrophopolis, Thropolis, escape Thropolis, 75 miles from Jerusalem. But as the Hebrews who had settled there, uh, settled there assured Judah that the people of Scapulus had always treated them well and had been particularly kind to them when times were at their worst. He and his men thanked them and urged them to extend the same friendship to his race in the future. They, uh, they reached Jerusalem shortly before the Feast of Weeks. Okay? Feast of Weeks. Okay, after Pentecost... As it is called, Passover time. They marched again against Gorgias, the general commanding Idumia. He came not he came out at the head of three thousand infantry and four hundred cavalry. Okay, and in the course of the evening battle, a few Jews lost their lives. A man called Doasidus, a Ducithius, sorry, a horseman of the Tuban, consult, uh, Tuban contingent. A valiant man 
overpowered, overpowered, gorgeous, and gripped, <laughs> and gripped him by the cloak, was forcibly dragged him along, intending to take the accused man alive. But one of the Tressians, Calvary, hurled himself on Ducithius, slashing his shoulder. Mm. Okay. Mm, let's see, slashing his shoulder. And Gorgias escaped to Mar Maris Marissa. Now, all of these uh, are little towns outside of, of the area. <clears throat> so, meanwhile, since... Estria, Estrias, um, lost my place. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, when they had. Okay, um, I lost myself here for a second. Okay, meanwhile, since Estrius and his men had been fighting for a long time and were exhausted, Judas called on the Lord to show himself there, ally and leader in battle. Then chanting, then chanting the battle cry, and hymns at the top of his voice and his ancestral tongue by a surprise attack the rooted Georginus troops. Georginus troops. Okay. Um... Then chanting the battle cry in the hymn. Now, he's chanting a battle cry in the hymn to the Lord. You know, that's like when you go to church and the church is filled with the Spirit. And you're chanting and you're crying out to the Lord. And you're singing and praising. What happens? Right. The Holy Spirit comes in. It manifests itself. And things begin to happen. Right? Right? 
Okay, so you see, this is this is the situation that they're in. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord is fighting all these people for their behalf. So you know that the Hebrews at this time is in right standing. Judah then rallied his army and moved on to the town of Adullam, where as it was the seventh day of the week, they purified themselves according to, according to custom and kept the Sabbath. Next day came to find Judith, since the necessary was by now urgent, to have the bodies of the fallen taken up and laid in rest among their relatives in their ancestral tombs. But when they found but when they found on each of the dead men under their tunics objects dedicated to the idols of Jamina, which the law prohibits to the Hebrews, it became clear to everyone that this was why these men had lost their lives. All them all them blessed the way of the Lord, the upright judge who brings hidden things to light. See, they had no idea that they had men who were considered enemies. They were of their people and they were praying right with them, just like we have people today praying with you in church. But they're really not of you. They're not, they're not godly people. They don't believe in God. In fact, some of them believe in just the opposite. They're dare to do harm, not to help. Okay? And some of them don't even realize they're being used. I'm sure some of these men here that was laying on the ground thought they were doing right. But, but they didn't. You see, you can't have two gods. You have one god. One God, okay? You can't have the God of the world and the God of heaven. That's not going to work. You're either in or you're out. You're either hot or you're cold. There's no middle of the road. And gave themselves to prayer, begging that the sin committed might be completely forgiven. Next, you see, they even had to clear themselves of the men's sin because those men were a part of them. So they had to cut themselves off from these men. And that's another thing that we have to talk about. I'm going to set aside one podcast to talk about sins that can really devastate you and your entire family line. Your sins, ancestral sins, so people don't realize uh, how devastating these can be and how they can still be connected to you, okay? All right, um, I see we are getting low on time, so I'm going to quickly finish this up, and then we're going to close. Okay, um...
the judge who brings hidden things to light, and gave themselves to prayer, begging that the sin committed might be completely forgiven. Next, the valiant Judah urged the soldiers to keep themselves free from all sin, having seen with their own eyes the effects of the sin of those who had fallen. After this, he took a collection from them individually, amounting to nearly 2,000 drachmen, and sent it to Jerusalem to have a sacrifice for sin offered. And action together, altogether, fine and noble, prompted by his belief in the resurrection. For had he not expected the fallen to rise again, it would have been superlish, super, it would have been super flurious and foolish to pray for dead, whereas if he had in view the splendid recompense reserved for those who made a pious end, the thought was holy and devout. Hence, he had his, he had this expert, he had this expiration, exp, I'm sorry, he had this expiatory sacrifice offered for the dead so that they might be released from their sins. Okay? All right. Um, we're going to stop here at chapter 13, and we'll pick up from there tomorrow. All right? Um, we have, I think, maybe three more chapters. Um uh, no. We have two more chapters, okay? And then we'll be out of the book of Mac Maccabees. All right, everyone. Um, this is Miss MacMillan. Let's pray out. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this word. Thank you for opening our eyes, Almighty God, and helping us to see the truth about the things in our lives and around us, Lord. Father, continue to teach us and to open our eyes and to refreshen us and to help us to understand what we see before us. Lord, we give you the praise and honor and glory, and we thank you, Almighty God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, for those of you who like to contact me, I am uh, mcmillian75 at gmail.com or anchor.fm right slash linda-mcmillian9. For those of you who want to donate or sponsor, there are two buttons below. Press on whichever one you're interested in, uh, and that information will be given unto you. We appreciate you writing in and calling in. Thank you. And for those of you who donate and sponsor, thank you also. Okay, everyone, that's our program for the night. God bless and have a blessed night. Thank you.